Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story, and it is an infectious episode of the Ben and Matt Sportscast. Uh, Our recording got delayed this week as I tested positive for COVID and am currently occupying uh, my basement. But Matt, that that hasn't uh, been your case. You've been gallivanting all over the country this week. No, no, this weekend I have. Yeah, I was in... uh... Ann Arbor yesterday for Penn State, Michigan, and I'm currently in Pittsburgh uh, after the Steelers Bucks game. So yeah, a couple couple places I've never been, seen a couple of uh, you know new stadiums, and uh, a fun week. But we gotta we gotta rewind first to last weekend and the the events of Sun Deviledom because we the last time we talked we were both pretty down on ASU's chances against Washington, and well we we were wrong pleasantly. Yeah, so the Devils uh, beat Washington. Big moment for the Sean Aguano era. Um, first win for him. And yeah. also big moment for Trenton Bourget. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, unexpected uh, to have it go that way. Um, uh, you know, to have him get in, obviously, when, when Emory Jones went out, what the early second quarter, I believe, maybe even first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, offense was moving the ball with Emory Jones. Like, they, they went down the field on the first drive, got inside the 10, I believe, and penalty stopped them, and they had to kick field goal, and then they were moving it on the second drive, and that's when Jones got hurt at the end of that drive. But, uh, yeah, Borgay stepped in there. And now, now I you know, I will say, and I, I mean, not to be, you know, Debbie Downer, but, like, it's pretty clear Washington's defense isn't very good. Uh, they, you know, got, they gave up, I think 42 to UCLA. They gave up 39 yesterday to Arizona in a win, albeit, but, uh, mm-hmm. like they're, they're not a good defense, but nonetheless, it was nice to see our offense be able to take advantage of that. Cause I, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we both, uh, question whether our offense was good enough to take advantage of a bad defense. Yeah. I mean, up until last week, it, it really felt like it was X valid and that's it. And yeah, then last, yeah. last week, you, you know, we were able to throw the ball. Uh, you know, another productive Elijah Badger game, by the way. It was. It was. Yeah. I mean, very productive just overall in the passing game. Like, faced faced what seemed like a, a large number of, you know, third and five plus, sometimes third and ten plus. And I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. And I'm not asking you to get the numbers because your computer always, uh, you know, goes haywire when you get them. Um, but uh, like I, our third down conversion percentage had to be good because we, you know, there were so many times I listened to some on the radio as I drove back to Tucson, and it, it was a consistent like go oh, third down, and I'm thinking oh, here we go, and no, oh, complete for a first down, complete for a first down. Like, well, this is stunning, but I'll take it. Now during the week, Jones has returned and is practicing. Yeah, um, I I don't envision this turning into a quarterback controversy, but the most popular guy is always the backup, and and he and yeah. looked competent. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting because so is uh, you you may know more than me. Is Jones full practice, or are they still like have they He's said been, is he still being held back? Some he well, so the reports I saw this week was he was at practice, but that during the media session media availability yeah. uh, that it was Borgay and Paul Tyson yeah you know leading it, the offense it's a it's a way I mean you hate to say this you hate to be cynical but I am a little cynical 
if you're curious about, hey, maybe we're better off with this guy as the quarterback, it's a way to do it without having to, to do it immediately. I, you know, we might be seeing it with the Saints right now. I've been following the Saints a little because they're coming to Arizona this coming week, and I was hoping to see Jameis, but it feels like, you know, like they Jameis was hurt, and now he's back active, but he's still the backup, and it's like, are they, are they auditioning Andy Dalton as the starter? Kind of feels like it. Might be seeing the same thing here. Uh, you know, but we'll see. We'll see. I mean, now look, Emory Jones was playing well in that game, and he played pretty well against USC the week before. So this is not like a, oh, the team came alive with Borgay and they look like crap with Emory Jones. That's not true. But nonetheless, you know, Borgay played well and, and maybe deserves the opportunity. You know, like maybe it's not a Emory Jones lost the job as much as a, hey, let's, let's see if the other guy deserves to win the job. Yeah, and, and it does, you know, the best – best version of this for Borgay would be, uh, you know, a Taylor Kelly, like surprise sure. that he's the guy, but it's worked out. Um, yeah. I mean, you never know. Like, like there's, you know, more often than not, the former walk on is the former walk on for a reason because he's not that good. Um, but you know, every now and again, you get the, now, Taylor Kelly wasn't a walk-on, but he was lowly, you know, lowly he regarded. He was expected um, to be the third guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was one of those late additions to a recruiting class who you thought, you know, at the time, like, well, probably best case scenario, he's a good, solid backup, uh, you know, good practice player. And he turned out to be a lot more than that. Um, you know, we've had others. Uh, the name that comes to mind for me is Kurt, was it Kurt Walding from Dowling in Des Moines? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, there was a walk-on, like, oh, he's coming a lot. And, and, you know, it never really became anything. So, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, now here's a question, and I don't know the answer off the top of my head. What's the difference in years of eligibility between Borgay and Jones? None. Left? They are both uh, juniors. That's what I thought. Okay. Because it feels like Borgay should be the younger guy. Like, you know, Jones has been at Florida, and he was a starter, and like the, you know, the thought is like, well, maybe you go with Borgay because he's, you know, the younger guy, but I was even going to say, is he really the younger guy? I didn't, I didn't think there was much difference, if, if any. Yeah, and I don't, I don't believe there is. I, I think Yeah, is I mean, Borgay's been with both. us for several years. I, it's, I, you know, I as we've discussed, are... it's hard to keep track of eligibility right now because of the 2020 and all that stuff. I think uh, all but, three of yeah. our quarterbacks are technically redshirt juniors. Redshirt juniors. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you know, I mean, so there's, there's, like I said, you know, the, the knee jerk when I was saying that was, you know, well, maybe you want to see what Borgay has because maybe he's your guy next year in a, in a far fetched scenario that maybe isn't as far fetched, but I, you know, Emory Jones could be too, I suppose. Um, or more likely, I still believe the quarterback next year is, probably not on the roster right now but who knows maybe maybe not you know like i suppose the conversation that we have to have that you know bubbled up uh more so after the win and it was only one win i want to be very clear about that it was one win over a a decent but not great team is you know sean aguano the answer is the coach and we've talked about it the last couple weeks we've talked but i mean has your viewpoint changed at all because of the events of last weekend no, not especially. I I am seeing the groundswell of support from yeah. the, you know, Arizona high school coaches sent a letter of support. Uh, he is reaching out to a, 
it seems like every former player, you know, <laughs> saying open door policy comes yeah. to whatever you yeah. want. Which like I mean, these are he's, pushing he's, all of the right buttons. They really are. They yeah. are. And and you know, I think what we have to acknowledge and Haller Haller's article, I you know, it started out a little bit like I wanted to say, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. And then he kinda did in the course of the article. Like it's one win. Uh, you know, again, against a, a decent team, but, you know, Washington was overrated because they beat Michigan State. And as we've come to find out, Michigan State is not that good. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's good, but, but like the second half of the schedule doesn't look nearly as difficult as the first half. I'm not saying it's easy, but, you know, you got Stanford next week, you got Colorado. Now, they both won yesterday. They're showing, you know, each of them got, mm-hmm. you know, their first, well, Colorado, their first win, Stanford, their first win over an FBS team of the year. Uh, but nonetheless, winnable games. You got, you know, home game with Oregon State, Arizona, at Washington State. Uh, you know, aside from UCLA, you don't have anybody that's ranked right now and probably won't. So, you know, can you make a run to, to six wins? I, I doubt it. But if you do, that would be a pretty strong statement for the guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, now, then then my counterpoint to that, and, and this is why I've been, when I was so vociferous against him the last time we talked, and I've sort of felt bad about that since, because I thought, like, God, I, I almost made it seem like I thought the guy was just a total moron. And I don't. I just think, you know, being an interim coach and being a full-time coach are two completely different jobs. And I'm not sure that success as an interim coach is enough to make me think that a guy who up until this year had been a high school head coach and a running backs coach is now the right answer for us, you know, to, to get us to where we haven't been in, you know, 20 plus years, Mm -hmm. which is what I think we should be shooting for with this hire. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make this hire just to like make us feel good in the short term. And that feels like you said, the groundswell of support. It kind of feels like that's what people want. Like they just, they just want to feel good about the coach. And it's like, I mean, okay, that might feel great in January of 2023, but will it feel as good in October of 2023 and November and, and, you know, next January, as, as the time passes, if this guy's not up to the job and you think, boy, we whiffed again, what, what are we doing here? Well, I would say this, we are, look, and I don't know if Ray Anderson can do this and I don't think that it's, I think it's an impossibly high burden, which is why I'm going to say it. I I think what you say to Aguano is, you know, the early signing period is in under a month or, or I'm sorry, under two months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, get commitments between now and then that makes me feel like I have to keep you because right now you haven't, no one. Like, extending these offers to, like, kids from the class of 2026 mm-hmm. is interesting. And, and look, appropriate. You want to get known sure. in the city, so start extending offers to the young guys now. They mean nothing, but it gets sure. you publicity. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It gets yeah. you publicity. It gets you, you know, in the sports section. But, you know, I don't think they're going to flip Rayola's commitment or anything no, like that. No, no, no. They're not, you know, and, and, and that brings up the point of the whole, okay, the Arizona high school coaches wrote a letter supporting him. And that's, 
great. I mean, I'm not trying to knock it, but I, I think a few points that have to be made. One is, are those Arizona high school coaches going to bond together and make sure that their very top players go to ASU if this guy's hired? Probably not. Like, because if you're an Arizona high school coach, you you look better if your top player went to Texas or Ohio State or Alabama than just going to ASU. So there's still some self-interest. Two, they used to work with Iguano. They, they like him personally, probably. So, so it's a little bit of bias. Um, and, and then here's the other thought. We've talked about Arizona high school, and it's better. It is better. But can you build a, you know, a Pac-12 or whatever it's going to be, a Pac-12 championship contender with a large core of just Arizona guys? I don't think you can. You could do better in Arizona. But if you don't recruit California, Texas, et cetera, I think you're looking at I me. Mean, we played a team with 80% Arizona high school players. You know who it was? NAU. And, and so, like, is that what we want to be? Where we're just the feel-good, like, oh, all these hometown kids, and we go 4-8? and eight? I don't think so. I, I hear you, but I think that there is a – Difference. I don't think you can. There is a difference within a U. I, I yeah. mean, I'm being overly simplistic. I want to acknowledge that, but nonetheless, like, you know, Arizona's better. It's better. And if you could tell me we're going to get the Bijans and the Dylan Riolas and the like, okay, now I'm interested. But if those guys continue to still go to Ohio State and Texas and places like that, which I think they will, then what? Well, and that to me, that's the distinction. Is if the if the top 20 Arizona kids keep going elsewhere, right? Right. Then it doesn't matter. If you, it doesn't. If you get, you know, if you start getting six of the top 20 kids from Arizona and then sure. continue to get the three-star kids out of California, uh, okay, you're building something there. I agree. I agree. And, and there is no doubt. I, I, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. We've talked a lot about, you know, Herb and Pierce and that recruiting effort. And, and even when things were looking good, we've discussed like, boy, it seems like we're ignoring the state of Arizona in a lot of ways. We're not going after the, the you know, top level guys. And is that a mistake? So I, I do think it is important to focus on Arizona. But I also think you can't go too far with that approach of like, well, you know, we're going to just recruit it. You know, like you got to get other guys too. I don't think Arizona is deep enough. Like if you're, if you're Texas tech, you can probably say we're going to build our roster with 80% or more guys from in state. And you could probably be pretty good. I don't think an Arizona school can do that. Most schools, most States can't say that. And I would say Arizona is not one of them. Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit like, I mean, again, I, it's not, I mean, it's a, it's a statement by them. I'm not saying it isn't, but, and then I'll say one other thing, and this maybe is overly cynical, but it, in some ways I'm going to say it. Do they want Sean Aguano in a way because they feel like, well, Hey, Sean Aguano is really into the Arizona high school. I can get my mediocre player that probably would otherwise go to FBS or I'm sorry, FCS to have a, you know, a scholarship at ASU and then I can tout like, well, I've got X number of FBS players when maybe some of those guys shouldn't be FBS players. Cynical, yeah. yes, but I, I don't think out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. And, you know, so I just think we got to be, we got to be careful. The whole thing with Iguano is I think, it, you know, just got to be careful with doing something that feels good in the moment. 
because what feels right in the moment doesn't always feel right a year from now, two years from now. And, and there are plenty of examples of interim coaches where that's the case. Now, I texted you about this. You know, the, the ideal comp is, you know, Dabo Sweeney. Mm-hmm. 14 years ago, just this week, he was named the interim coach of Clemson. Wide receiver coach, position coach, just like Aguano. Never been a head coach. Oh, you know, they gave him the job. Everybody laughed. Oh, that's going to work great. And, you know, here they are with, you know, seven playoff trips or six playoff trips and two national titles. And, uh, you know, sure, it's worked. Um, and Dabo, much like Iguano, feels like a guy who loves to talk culture and all in and bring your own guts and Clemson family and all that good stuff. But as I told you in text, he also gets, you know, blue chip players. And if you don't get the blue chip players, all that stuff is just hot air and BS. Well, and the other thing is when they hired Dabo, he was late 30s. It was. It was, yes. John Iguano's 51. 52, maybe. True, true. Different. I mean, very different scenario. Uh, It's just, it's one of those where, again, after we talked, what, a week and a half ago, I almost, you know, and then we beat Washington. I almost found myself thinking, okay, why am I so against the idea of this guy? Why was I so strong? of like, no, 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 no. And, and I don't have a great answer except to say that I just think we should aim higher than, you know, the guy who's available. You know, it, it's, it, you know, the, I mean, I don't want to say aim higher than the guy who wants the job. Obviously, you want somebody to want the job, and it seems like this guy does. But you know, it's, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like picking a spouse, you know, you don't want to just be like, well, uh, you're available. So let's get married and be like, no, you, you want it to be somebody that you really believe in. And do we really deep down believe Sean Aguano is the guy to get us where Herm, Dirk, Dennis, Graham, et cetera, have not gotten us. Yeah. I, I think maybe he is. But I'm hesitant, I guess. My point of view on this is that I I can now, with everything that's happened, talk myself into he will try hard. Sure, sure. Which I I know is a low bar, but (laughs) as we discussed, it's one that I don't think our last coach cleared. Perhaps not. Certainly not in the last year or so. I think. I think that's fair to say. Um, uh, you know. So, yeah, like you're Aguano's, right. Aguano's out going to the high school Friday night games. He is. He's, he is. I mean, you, you know, are correct. You said it early in the conversation. Like he's doing everything right from a, you know, I don't want to say just PR because I don't think it's phony. No, but, from you a know, coaching. Like, yeah, if this is your and, one and, shot to have the job. Yes, and to appeal to people, the decision makers, the fans, the boosters, the players, you know, he's he's doing everything right. And and, you know, I I think it's kind of one of those like, you know, let's see how the next let's see how the next two weeks go before we get too far into this. You got two eminently winnable road games, but nonetheless, road games that, you know, have not been an ASU strong suit for I mean, when's the last time ASU's been a really good road team? I, I don't remember it. So so if they could pull off back-to-back road wins, I'll, even against two pretty bad teams, like, all right, 
now I'm going to sit up and pay attention and think like, maybe this guy does have the, the magic stuff. But if they drop both, like, okay, I'm back where I was before. Yeah. It's a... And they could drop both. Yeah, it is a very strong start to his tenure. It, he's done, I will say this right now, he has done nothing to dissuade me from my position if I'm the AD of, if I don't hire him, I tell whoever I do hire, I want you to think long and hard before you decide not to put this guy on your staff. Making him an associate head coach or something like that. I agree. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, the players I, I mean, seem to like him. I, you know. The, yeah. You know, the media certainly likes him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I fans. mean, and, and, you know, I was going to say, maybe he doesn't have to remain the running back coach, but, I mean, I, this is this is a little simplistic, but nonetheless, I mean, running back has been pretty good since he got there. It's only a few years, but obviously got a lot out of Rashad White, who is, a, you know, not a five-star recruit, um, you know, helped him. He turned into a, a, you know, day two draft pick off to a good start this year with his valid a kid. Uh, you know, so like that position has been, if not a strength, that certainly hasn't been a weakness since he took the, took the role <laughs> and maybe it's a strength. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I wouldn't be against that at all. And, and, you know, I, I guess we'll see. Um, but I also, I, I mean, I said, I'm, I'm kind of contradicting what I just said. Like, I don't want to make too many decisions based solely on like, okay, how do we do against Colorado and Stanford? Because the, the standard should be a little higher than, you know, can we be second, you know, second tier, third tier conference teams? The only thing I would say countering to all of this. Yeah. Let's say you you make your obligatory phone call to Matt Rule. And yeah. he laughs at yeah. you. He's not coming. <laughs> Probably not, but your, yeah. Your time now to just get somebody in to start the recruiting process, if it's not Iguano, is running short. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, what you don't want is to take this into December because, you know, that was supposed to be one of the advantages of now it's tricky because if you hire an assistant, a current assistant, you know, especially from a team that's a contender for anything, they're not going to leave in November. You know, mm -hmm. if you, if you hire the Oregon offensive coordinator and Oregon's competing for the PAC 12 title, I don't think the guy's going to leave, but he can start to do both jobs. It happens every year. Yeah. You know, Unless I think that would be the expectation is that, you, you could, would. You could get the Notre Dame head coach to leave before their bowl is set. True. So. True. Yeah. Certainly before bowl season. Yes. Um, it seems like once the regular season is over, that's when, you know, you can get head coaches or assistant coaches or whatever to leave. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, the one thing I guess, and I haven't said this, like a, a, a credit to Aguano. I don't know if it means he should be the head coach full time. I'm not saying that, but. After the Utah game, we talked, and I thought, you know, like, man, they couldn't muster a strong effort in the first game. This could get real ugly. And it hasn't, and it's actually gotten better. You know, I, I read his comments after the Utah game. Oh, this this thing is going to get better. It's going to take a little time, though. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I believe that. They were, they were more competitive against USC. And then, you know, several times they could have rolled over and played dead against Washington. You know, they, they fell behind early. Quarterback gets hurt. They blow a two-touchdown lead, like number of chances to quit. 
and they never did, and they won the game. So credit to him in that front that he is getting the team invested, if nothing else. Yeah. Look, I I go back to the thing I said before, and I think it's true. He has he is making the most of his opportunity. You and I talked about that the day he got named the coach. That yeah, you know, you at least brought somebody in who like we laughed kind of at the idea that he was in the running for the Hawaii job. I don't know sure. how close he was to the Hawaii job or not, sure. but this was a guy who like he's fifty whatever. He's gonna make the most of this chance. That, he know, is, and, and, he and is. you're right. He is. He is. He is not at least to this point. There's nothing we could look at and say, boy, you know, he, if he did that, it would, you know, like, why isn't he trying that? Or why isn't he going, you know, like he is, he is hitting all the right buttons. <sighs> Again, the big thing, I, and, and this is what makes this difficult too, is like, we don't even really know who's making this call. I don't, I, I haven't been, I haven't heard of any declaration, of, you know, are they going search firm? There was some talk of that. Is, is Ray Anderson making this call again on his own? Uh, you know, that makes it tough, too. I hope he's not making the call on his own. That seems I hope like not. A mistake. I hope not. But but then again, you know, I'll say the same thing I said when we first talked about this. Like, if he's not, then why is he still here? Or, you know, like, football's supposed to be his thing. Because of the mullet arena. <laughs> I guess, I guess, which had its, uh, what, grand opening, I believe, yes. just a couple days ago, didn't it? First hockey, hockey game there. beat Colgate. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, hey, that, again, as we discussed, like, that's about the only program that right now feels like it's on a, a consistently positive trajectory is the hockey program, which is both, you know, a blessing and a curse. It's nice that it is, but you also look at that and think, like, geez, uh, you know, if I could have drawn it up, I think I would have, you know, tried to trade that momentum and had it with basketball or football or baseball, potentially. Yeah, have spent that money and that. PR yeah, effort. yeah, yeah. I mean, because no matter how big ASU hockey gets or how successful, I should say, I, I don't think it's going to ever, you know, really move the needle for a lot of folks. It's, you know, hockey in Arizona. Uh, in I, look, the I mean, first game was well attended. I'm, it was. I'm sure, very curious sure. what will happen in, you know, the next series. And yeah, I'm very curious no, I mean, I'll say this, and, and I'm maybe not the best, the best judge of this anymore because I don't really follow local news as much. But like, I didn't know that their first home game was Friday until a day before when someone mentioned it. Like, I, I didn't, you know. Now again, I don't watch the local news much. I don't read the Republic, so I'm I'm not necessarily the best uh, judge. But at the same time, I live there, and it's not like I heard you know people all over town talking about ASU hockey. Yeah. Yeah, take that for what you will. Again, I fully admit, like I'm not locked into the community in some in the ways that some people are. But you know, I didn't go to the grocery store and you know have people wearing ASU hockey T-shirts. I don't know that I ever will. Well, that's the thing, right? Like you you right sized that arena because it's only what fifty eight hundred sure. or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you've right sized that arena for what you have, and and therefore. Look, we may well be the best western half of the US hockey program. Oh yeah. Or best facilities yeah. and you know, it's better weather and maybe you'll convince some kids to come here. It looks like we have. Um 
but it just but, it's, but it's the big it's, question is how much does that matter to people like you and I? Well, and that's the who, thing is like remember you know, when softball won two yeah. college, women's college world series? Big. Uh, it was fun for a few days. Yeah. You know, it's like but, hey, uh, that's cool. Okay. We were happy, but then it's like all right, you know, like the next morning, you kind of like have already forgotten about it. Well, that wouldn't slide, be the case if we, you know, went to the Rose Bowl. Well, we remember that. I want to slide a step further because I want to keep going down this route. Like, sure. A, so football in the conference title game, equivalent to ASU softball winning the whole thing. Uh, I would say I would say more. I would say it's. I mean, okay. I'll, this is again. I'm not saying this is the best test, but if you ask me what years ASU softball won the national title, I couldn't tell you. I know they won two, but I couldn't tell you the years. I believe I can tell you 2013 was the conference championship. I believe softball was 08, our senior year, and 11. 11. Okay, I was gonna say 08 because I, I do think it was our senior year, but the second one, I yeah, I don't know. Um, but you know, you know but, and, and but so yet, where hockey... 2013 football resonates with me immediately. Well, and so here's the thing with hockey to me is another sport that's going to share that venue wins all the time, all the time. Wrestling. Wrestling. Yeah. Who cares? I don't. Exactly. I mean, it's again, those sports are, I don't, I don't ever want to be the like piss on the little sports guy because they mean something to the people involved in them. The, you oh, know, for the parents, sure. but I'm talking the about students, like, the coaches. I, they I'm do, not going to fly in for a wrestling match. No, exactly. I'm with you. I mean, like, you know, like I, I went to, I've been to one wrestling meet, I guess, if you want to call them that match, whatever. Um, since I left ASU, they played, they, they faced Penn state, Penn state, you know, was number one in the country. Kale Sanderson's the coach. And it was packed. I was like, stunned. I mean, the upper deck wasn't sold, but like the lower deck was full and it was cool. But, you know, that was like, first of all, there's a lot of people from the East that came down to see it that, you know, like they know Penn State, um, you know, and, and that's a rare thing. And yeah, I mean, you and I are not going to plan, you know, like, hey, come down to see wrestling. You're, we're probably not going to plan for you to come down to see hockey. I doubt we're ever going to have the conversation of like, you know what, I'm going to come down in November. And you and I are going to go to an ASU hockey game. Maybe we will, Probably but I doubt it. You know, maybe I mean, we'll do I'll, it in I'll addition this. to a football game. Yeah. You come down for football and hockey's home the night before, and it'd be like, oh, well, let's go to a hockey game too, sure. But we're not going to plan something around it. And, I, you know, we're not the every fan, but at the same time, I think we, we are representative of kind of what ASU fans are. We're invested in ASU. We care about ASU. But we're not, you know, living and breathing with every single sport at ASU because, you know, it's that's tough to do. I mean, it, you know, it's tough to pay attention to 23 sports. So you choose the ones that you care about, which is football and basketball primarily for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll say this about hockey, which I think is indicative. I lived in the greater Boston area for three collegiate <laughs> hockey seasons and watched no collegiate hockey. <laughs> Like, and, and that's some good hockey up there. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you, outside you were of surrounded Minnesota, by crappy teams or something. Like outside of Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm not sure there. Like, and in terms of location, I'm not sure there's a better place. BU, Probably BC. Not. You know, there's well, Harvard's a, good, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, isn't Harvard generally pretty good? You know, your yeah. your own school. So, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, you know, like, I mean, the ASU hockey arena is ten minute drive from where I live. 
And would I mind going to a game? No, uh, you know, but, but I, I don't know that I will. Uh, it's not on my radar necessarily that I'm going to get there. So, yeah, I mean, we're we're beating the dead horse, I realize, in a way. But I, I think it's true. Like, it's great that hockey has some momentum. But how much is that ever going to matter? If hockey wins the national championship in 2024, you know, would you buy a T-shirt? I, I might, I might buy a t-shirt, but like, that'd be it. But if football won a, I mean, if football won a national championship, I'd buy anything and everything you could imagine about mm-hmm. that championship. If basketball even made the final four, you could just take my bank account and say, whatever you want, give me as much gear as possible. Yeah, no, I get it. So it's just different, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, well, the bottom line is, I guess we'll we'll see where it goes. So, uh, we are are we doing our Stanford look ahead here as well? Should do we need to do we need to go yeah. on record with our pick? Yeah, let's talk about that game. So, all right, Stanford surprising win this week. Very surprising. Notre Dame, I guess this year is going to be the team that can beat anybody and lose to anybody. Yeah, because they you know a couple good wins, beat North Carolina, beat BYU. You think like, well, they're back on track, and then they lose at home to Stanford. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm picking Stanford to win, but I think it's going to be close and I think it's going to be poor scoring. Uh, so I'm going to pick Stanford 20 to 14. Okay. So you're going more with the way Stanford played Notre Dame, not, not shootout style. No. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it's higher scoring. And I, I think I'm going to say, I mean, I might regret this, but I think I'm going to say that, that we're going to win. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say 38 to 31. Well, interesting. Uh, uh, you know, is, I just who's like playing quarterback for the devils. It's a good question. I, if I had to guess, it's going to be Borgay just because I think right now there's also, you know, so much focus about. I know it's, you know, the NFL's got the specific protocols, but there's focus on, you know, concussions and getting guys in too soon. So you can look like you're health conscious by keeping him out. And again, cynical side of me says you want to give this guy a little bit more run, a little bit more, you know, audition. Why not? You know, you Emory Jones just uh, just hasn't practiced quite enough with us. We're going to go with this one more week and then, you, you know, see what happens after that. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Um, yeah, I, I I think you're probably right. I would go with Borgay as well, and I think you don't have a quarterback controversy. You say all of those things, but yeah. if they win, you have a quarterback controversy. Yeah, I would agree. If he plays well and and you know plays like he did against Washington, then yeah, then you you know you're gonna probably at some point have to you know make that call. Like, or maybe you just you know maybe you just go week by week. You just, you know, like, well, we're still working our way back. And, and then, you know, if slowly but surely, it's just, it's just his job and people aren't asking about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's obviously best case scenario. He plays well, we win, and we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you know, we'll see. But anyway, do we want to, do we want to discuss some of the, some of the events of yesterday, today? Been mm-hmm. a, it's been a weird football weekend, a lot happening. Yeah. Well, first, let's start with uh, you tell me. I'm very curious about your uh, experience in Pittsburgh today. 
just the atmosphere, the stadium itself seems very cool on television. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I sat, so I sat uh, in the end zone opposite, you know, they have the end zone that doesn't have like much upper deck and that's always the one that, you know, is difficult to kick into. I sat opposite that. So I had the view of that and man, really picturesque, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the fall trees in the background. Um, I, I mean, it was just, it was just a cool sight. Um, you know, the, the terrible towels and that, that tradition, it was, uh, you know, it was very, very cool. Now, I, I mean, I think this is just the nature of NFL versus college. The Michigan stadium atmosphere was one of the coolest atmospheres I've ever seen. I, I mean, it just like, it, it was such a cool place. So both really cool. But if I had to, if I had to just choose one, if someone said, all right, I can only do one of the two, which one should I do? I'd say go to a game in Michigan. Okay. Uh, because I think it's just different with college ball, you know, like there's, there's, a, there's more passion. I mean, one, one thing I noticed about Michigan that even compared to other college stadiums I've been to zero, zero in stadium advertising, not a single thing. There are two scoreboards, one at each end, big video board that, that puts up the, uh, you know, the, the score and the down and distance and all that. And that is it. No scoreboards on the side, no ribbon boards with ads, no any, I mean, they did, you know, stuff between the, you know, timeouts and stuff like that, but it was just very notable, no corporate signage at all. Interesting. Very, I mean, and then, and then specifically comparing it to today when, you know, I'm sitting there at, you know, what used to be called Heinz Field, obviously a sponsor, now is called Acrisure Stadium. And, you know, there's big Pepsi and there's a UPHC health and there's a, you know, blah, 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 blah. I mean, everything is sponsored in one way or another. Like, yeah, I mean, yes, it's NFL to college, but certainly notable how different it was. Yeah. Very interesting. So, yeah, I mean, Michigan, even, even there's not even like any like team signage. There's no retired numbers. There's no list of all their bowl games up or anything like that. It's just all um, you know, it's just. It's just blue. It's just blue walls at the top, and that's it with the two scoreboards. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I mean, because I was looking. At one point, Michigan scored, and they were showing the replay on the video board, and so they took down the score. You know, the score, I think it was, it was when it was 17-16. So they scored, and they were going for two. And for a second, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Why are they going for two? And I'm looking around. I'm like, nowhere here can I see the score because they're showing the replay. And the score isn't listed anywhere else in the stadium. That's very old school. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, both places were really cool. I enjoyed Pittsburgh a lot. Um, <laughs> nice. I mean, you know, I didn't explore the entire city. I'm not here enough time to do so. But nice area around there. You know, I went. I walked over uh, beforehand to, you know, over by PNC Park and, you know, saw the outside of that. That was cool to see. Um, and, and it's you know, all on uh, the river, right on the right? water, you yeah. know, very, very picturesque, like I said. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the actual games. Yes. Biggest, most notable, Tennessee, Alabama. Tennessee yeah. opens up an early lead. Alabama comes all the way back. Uh, Seven point lead in the fourth quarter. You thought, you know, they're going to, they're going to pull it out again. Yeah. And then lo and behold, the volunteers come back and win the game. Yeah, uh, you know, you thought so, Reichert was going to hit the field goal, and then instead they, they left. Boy, uh, they so left between, Hooker too know, much time. 
Hooker takes him down. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you thought if you were watching live. Like, why didn't Alabama run the ball when they got to the 33? Three straight incomplete passes. Under a minute, you have a good running game. Like, why not try to run the ball for even four or five yards, get a little closer on first down? We'll get a little closer. Make it so that when you kick, that's it. That's it. Or or at least make Tennessee use their timeouts because that's a whole different scenario for Tennessee if they don't have two timeouts. Can't throw those. I mean, you know, yeah, the clock stops first down, but you probably don't have three plays with 15 seconds uh, if you don't have timeouts to use after the first two. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it was Danielson even said that on TV. On second down, like, well, you know, you could run the ball. Alabama's got timeouts. And I'm, I'm looking at Tennessee's defense, too, and, like, they were in full pass defense mode. They were they were rushing the passer and playing coverage. And if, if you if you pop one behind the first line, I think, you know, Gibbs could have gotten 15 yards easy. Yeah, well, and the way he was running the ball, too, it felt like they were having just all exactly. the whole world exactly. of trouble trying to get him to the Now, that said, Gibbs dropped the pass on second down. Yeah. I mean, it was a good pass, and if he catches it, he's got a first down. And they can, you know, probably run it down to three seconds, kick the field goal. So, I mean, it, you know, that should have been a, a more positive play for him. But still, like, yeah, I was a little bit miffed by the, the play call there, honestly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tennessee are, are, like, we have to start, I think we do have to start taking them seriously as a national championship contender. Yeah. Now, obviously, the poll came out today, and they're up to three, and Alabama dropped to six. But I did see, yeah. I did see one funny tweet after the game where it said, "Tennessee's gutsy win sees them vault to number five in the poll, while Alabama drops all the way to four. <laughs> I saw that too. I saw that too. Actually, yes, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, like Alabama is is not done by any means, and no one is saying that. Uh, if they, you know, uh, it's an out of division loss. So if they win the rest of their games, they're going to win the SEC West. And if they win the SEC West, you know, they're going to have a chance to either play Tennessee again or play Georgia. And if they win that, they'll they'll go to the playoff as a twelve and one SEC champ. But are you a hundred percent confident they're going to win the rest of their games? Because they haven't looked all that good this year. They've been too competitive in their yeah. games. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, barely escaped Texas when Texas lost its quarterback in the first half. Barely escaped A&M, who, you know, has not been really very good at all this year. Uh, and that was a home game. Then you lose this game. Now, look, that you know, this game could have gotten away from them. Like, the recipe was there for this to be a, you know, 20-point blowout. And they came back and made it interesting and, you know, uh, certainly deserve credit for the fight back. But, boy, you know, they just haven't been – all that impressive. They still have to go to LSU. They still have to go to Ole Miss. They have Mississippi State this week at home, but still, that's. I mean, like, are they going to win all those games? Uh, I, I, if I had to bet, I'd probably bet yes because they're Alabama. But that's really it. Like, what I've seen in the seven games they played doesn't give me a tremendous confidence that they're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like if they were, if if they, if. Uh, I don't know. Uh, if Tennessee was having their exact type season that Alabama is, we'd be saying, oh, they're a fraud. They're going to lose two or three more games, and you know they're going to be in the Citrus Bowl. Now, because it's Nick's name in Alabama, we don't say that. And deservedly so. They're just not playing great. Yes. Um, interesting in the Tennessee game, the impact of the two USC transfers to Tennessee. We talked so yeah. much about all the transfers USC brought in. 
Uh, but Tennessee, the beneficiary of that, picking up Brew McCoy and their kicker. Yeah. And, uh, finally, Brew McCoy, finally uh, finding a home and, and showing. I mean, I've got to remember when he was in high school playing with JT Daniels, I believe, at modern day. And we're like, oh, this guy's going to be the next big thing. And it, he's been lost in the wilderness, USC, Texas, back to USC. But, yeah, he's, he's coming alive now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that was an interesting game. I think, obviously, the game you went to, very interesting game. Michigan uh, was far and away the better team. It was yeah. it was one of those games at halftime. I mean, Michigan was was up 16-14 at halftime. They made a field goal at the end of the half. It was you know they were down fourteen thirteen when they had like two hundred and fifty yards, and Penn State had eighty. Uh, Penn State had one first down. I mean, you know, it was it was one big run by Clifford on a QB keep, and then an interception return that shifted the game. But then the second half, they just asserted their their will, and and uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, not a sure thing yet, but definitely made it seem as though Michigan-Ohio State is, is the game in the Big Ten again this year. And mm-hmm. it, those two teams are far and away better than anybody else, it appears. Uh, and then let's just touch briefly on USC-Utah. Uh, yeah. You know, huge, huge win for Utah. Just Very big. Emotional. Keeps them in the conference race. And, yeah, and yeah I mean, you know, like a, a season that if they lost, you know, sudden you got three losses already. And it's like, well, you know, boy, this somewhat special season is now starting to look like a, you know, we're going to the, you know, Vegas Bowl or something like that. Um, uh, you know, that's tough. So, yeah, big win for them. And a, and a sort of expected type of loss for USC. I mean, they, they easily could have won. You know, they were up late. Yeah. Um, but their defense just isn't championship level. It just they could still win the Pac-12, but the, the notion that they were going to go to the playoff, and that's not out of the realm of possibility yet. But I I just don't think they're good enough overall to do so. Both sides of the ball. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, forty-three points allowed. I get. Yeah, you go on the road and score forty-two. That should be enough to win. Um, and, and, you know, it just exposed their defensive flaws, I think. And, um, but you know, look, they're, they're what, six and one, their next three are, I think, Arizona, Cal, Colorado. So by all rights, they should be, should be nine and one going into those last two against UCLA and Notre Dame. So they, they could still have a say in, you know, everything conference race and even playoff picture, in, you know, well into end of November. Yeah, well, and that UCLA, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the Notre Dame game, you know, ca- you know, matters for playoffs, but that UCLA game could decide who, you know, which of sure those could. two schools is in the conference title. Game. Is in the title game, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, fascinating game this weekend, UCLA at Oregon. Yeah, uh, I mean, college you game know, day. Like that's college game day. I know, and and I think they're both in the top ten, right? Yeah, ten and in nine, I believe. I believe it's nine and ten. Nine and ten. Okay. Yeah, I saw UCLA. I mean, I know UCLA was this week, so I figured they would stay. Um, so yeah, I mean, interesting game. Obviously, the always the Chip Kelly, you know, subplot there. But you know, UCLA is a weird one because that four and zero start looked like a total. You know, uh, oh, they're just beating up on weak competition. They barely beat South Alabama. You know, like a uh, big deal. But then you know they beat Washington. They beat. They beat Utah. It's like, well, maybe this team is legit. 
And then Oregon gets off to that, you know, horrendous first game. That was the, the day we went to Texas. Just gets, you know, boat raced there by Georgia, but has looked pretty darn good since. Mm-hmm. So, like, fascinating game. And, I mean, I, I think those are the last two teams undefeated in the conference, right? Oregon's got the out-of-conference loss, but that's yeah. it, right? Yeah. So, winner obviously goes to the, the driver's seat, um, and, and Oregon doesn't play USC. So, you know interesting tiebreaker scenarios, things like that. I mean, like if, if UCLA beats Oregon, but then, you know, drops another game, but then beats USC, uh, you know, like it, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. And Utah is still in there as well, because they only have the one conference loss too. Yeah. Um, so is there anything else um, well, should we should we discuss the surprising baseball playoffs at all? Uh, I mean, all teams with a hundred and ten wins are out. Uh, yeah. Well, what three hundred win teams already eliminated? Yeah, that's Braves, Dodgers. Yeah, so it's going to be the Astros, the, the Padres, and Phillies. Two yeah. teams that both sort of backed into the playoffs. Like neither one really finished the year on a tremendously strong run. Kind of felt like they were trying to give it away, um, and and you know now they they're both in and and we're one win away from Cleveland beating New York. That you know it's only you know if New York wins two in a row they can win the series. But um, the only thing I think right now, just this is total knee jerk reactionary, and yet not totally reactionary because I wondered about it. Was it almost a disadvantage to the higher seated teams to have five days off? Yeah, well, and then the talk Maybe. with the Yankees, with they had five days off, then they played, right, and then they played had one, two days they have off. two more days off. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, it wasn't supposed to be that way, but like, I'm not necessarily a fan of expanding to 16 and eight in each league. I think that is way too many teams in the playoffs. I think you're going to end up with, you know, 79 and 83 team as an eight seed in the playoffs. Um, but I don't know about this format. You know, they want to do the three-game series. I get it. It's inventory for ESPN and all that. But, you know, baseball's not meant to be played every day and then have six or five days off while the team you're playing doesn't. You know, it's not the all-star break where everybody gets three or four days off and so everybody starts back in the same picture. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's only one year, and maybe it would have, Maybe the same thing would have happened. Maybe the Padres just are hot now. Maybe the Phillies are hot now. But you just wonder, like, boy, the Braves and Dodgers both, you know, were playing so well September, and then they just put it on ice. And the Dodgers especially. The Dodgers clinched the top record, and the last two weeks of their season were like, you know, well, we're just kind of going through the motions, and then they have five days off, and like, okay, now you got to pick it back up and intense playoff baseball. It's I'm making excuses for them, yes, but it's not the easiest thing to do. No. Um, but it's interesting, and that that Mariners game to get away. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, I went to I went to bed. You know, I'm on Eastern time, so uh, it started I think at four Eastern. I went to bed. It was in the 13th inning. I woke up like two hours later. I checked, and it was in the top of the 18th. And it was one nothing, and I'm like, Good God, this game is still going. Yeah, that it was crazy. It's- yeah, yeah. I, you know, found myself thinking this is one of those, you know things you say on sports talk radio but you know if you if you told a mariners fan 
before yesterday's game, you're going to play 18 innings this weekend, and you're only going to allow one total run to Houston. They've been feeling pretty good that they got two wins, and they're playing game five tomorrow. Yeah. Now it's a crazy, crazy game. Very, very, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's two. What, wasn't it the Rays and Guardians went to 15 innings at 0-0? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a lot of playoff yeah. baseball has gotten weird. Yes, um, this is this is why Rob Manfred likes his ghost runner, so that there's runs scored in extra innings, and you don't just go on and on and on forever. Yeah, well, I mean, both teams were, you know, the Astros went to a starting pitcher who pitched the final, like, four innings. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, honestly, that, like, would have been fascinating had the Mariners won, how, what toll that took on the pitching staffs going, because... Game five was scheduled for tomorrow, right? They would have played three days in a row. Yeah. The, uh, so they would have played again today and tomorrow if they continued on. Yeah, the announcers were talking about how, you know, the Mariners decided before the series they were going with a three-man rotation. They weren't going to. Yeah. And then when they brought in Robbie Ray, you know, or before they brought in Robbie Ray, they basically said, like, you know, they, they've used one of their two starters on the bench. So if you're if you're wondering if they were serious, like they they don't have a choice now. Like I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did did Ray pitch last night? I didn't even see the, the he, box He he came in after the home run. Did he? Okay. Okay. Gotcha. I mean I know he, he had the uh not so successful, you know, two pitches in game one when he gave up the walk off homer, which mm-hmm. what a what a turn of events that, I mean, it looked like they were going to win game one. And yeah, I mean, I, that's a, that's a weird series. Cause it was a three Oh sweep, but sure not a dominant three Oh sweep. Like no. Mariners easily could have won all three games too. For sure. And you hope that it won't be a 24 year drought for them moving forward. I would think not. They seem like they've got a pretty, you know, I mean, you never know, uh, you know, as a, as a Cubs fan, I can attest that, like, well, you got a real good young core. It's going to be good for years. Like, not necessarily, but they seem like they've got a pretty good group that, you know, is is built to continue to contend. But, boy, if the Astros continue, I mean, who knows? You never guarantee, but the Astros are, you know, certainly the team to beat in that division, and nothing's changed about that this year. Yeah. I think we got to prepare that the Astros are going to win the World Series. Yeah. I mean, it's not a given, but boy, I mean. You just have to learn how to be happy for Dusty Baker. Well, I'm not probably going to be. Some people will be, but I'm not a a big Dusty fan after 2003. Never will be. Um, But, you know, such is life. Uh, I I just, I mean, who knows? Maybe the Padres and Phillies, one of them keeps this up. Maybe the the Guardians keep up. You know, it just sort of feels like. Everybody, all the other heavyweights are falling by the wayside and it might just be a cakewalk for Houston. Yeah. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some more stuff. But until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.